0: Hey guys, I want to quickly thank our sponsor, which is DB Journey. Planning a trip can be easy, but bringing the right type of bag with you isn't. That's why I usually consider gear made by DB Journey. For the past decade, DB has been making custom backpacks and bags to help people on the move and get ready for anything. From the streets to even the peaks, DB's gears are refined as the best bags in the market, especially with their patented hookup system, which can help attach small products to your backpack and even tote bags. Click the link down below to get 10% off your next purchase by using the code POT10. DB. It's time to move on, and time to get going. Hello Disney fans, and welcome to part 2 of my Disney film miniseries. Last time, I recapped my favorite Disney films from the classic era. Even though I didn't watch those films as much as a kid, they're still enjoyable and provide a great start for Disney. That is, until we got the Renaissance age. If you were a kid that grew up in the late 1990s, early 2000s, then this was likely your introduction to Disney, as they provided some of the most groundbreaking and iconic films of all time. And you can beg your ass as I watched those films non-stop as a kid. So much so that it'd be impossible for me to do a top 10 list. But hey, if I can make a controversial top 10 Pokemon list, that could do the same thing for Renaissance Disney, right? Right? Anyway, the rules will be the same as before, judging them based on story, themes, and how they reflect Disney in general. And I'm going to be cheating myself by including movies that released around the early 2000s that aren't technically part of Renaissance Disney. But since those films were released around that timeline, they count. I think the proper term is post-Renaissance age. One more thing to note that this is all just my opinion. If any of you hardcore Disney fans have a problem with how I rank these films, then I'm sorry. You have no idea how subjective this topic is. Then again, maybe you do and that's why you're listening. <laughs> I'm Eric from Geeks Crossing. And this is the top 10 Disney films from the Renaissance slash post-Renaissance age. As usual, before we get to the top 10, we have to go through my honorable mentions. Sadly, these films got the short end of the stick. Starting with Pocahontas. The first time I actually seen Pocahontas was during my middle school days. And funny enough, it was around the same time I learned about the actual Pocahontas. Basically, a young native falls in love with a settler, who he and along his men believe that her island is full of gold. I thought the movie itself was good, especially the message of accepting one's culture. I liked the songs Colors of the Wind and Savages, and the relationship between Pocahontas and John Smith. But the film felt a bit rushed with how the conflicts began, and how they stayed true to history was very questionable. I know, Disney likes to deviate from whatever stories they get inspired from, but to me, they went overboard. So, I wouldn't mind watching it every now and then. Next, we have The Hunchback of Notre Dame. A deformed bell ringer falls in love with a gypsy and must protect her from his master, who's hell bent on trying to kill all the gypsies. Literally, It's definitely one of the more darker Disney movies out there, especially when they incorporate lusts and religious beliefs. Yet it has pretty good songs like Out There and Hellfire. But the movie's biggest strength is the message that true beauty lies within. And that was greatly demonstrated by Quasimodo. However, what puts it below the top 10 is how they forcibly try to include humor, i.e. the talking gargoyles. Not saying they're terrible, but I feel like they take away too much from what kind of story they were trying to tell. Still, I appreciate Hunchback for what it is. Next, we have Treasure Planet. I think that just pissed off a lot of people, including Nick because it's his favorite Disney movie. Sorry Nick, love you buddy. Anyway, the story is pretty much a more sci-fi version of Treasure Island. A young boy joins a group of pirates to find the legendary treasure planet. There, he learns about the pirate's life the hard way. I thought the story did a decent job at recapping the book, especially the conflict-slash-bond between Jim Hawkins and John Silver. And the song, I'm Still Here, is pretty catchy. Although, the direction of blending together the aesthetics of the future and the 1880s feels way too gimmicky. I get it. You want to stay true to the original setting but also capture the futuristic setting, but it just feels very awkward at times. Also, I kinda hated how Scrope was handled. He was set up to be the true villain, but instead they killed him off too quickly. Treasure Planet may not be one of my favorites, but I can't deny how impactful it is towards Disney fans. Next, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. An archaeologist joins the team in search of the lost city of Atlantis. There he learns the city is much more sacred than he studied. Much like Treasure Planet, this movie didn't do well financially, but it gained a cult following and I can see why. The visuals were very impressive for its time, especially scenes with the Leviathan and Kida, definitely the most underrated Disney princess out there. However, most of the main characters felt mean-spirited, and I'm not just talking about Rorik, I mean the entire team of mercenaries. To be fair, most of them do have a change of heart in the end, but still. Again, not one of my favorites, but I'll watch it whenever I feel like it. Oh yeah, almost forgot, both of these movies have the same message, and that is don't get consumed by greed, which is another reason why they're both honorable mentions. Up next, Brother Bear. An Eskimo turns into a bear after angering the mountain spirits. There he meets a young bear cub who can help him out. I feel like Brother Bear is one of those movies where the beginning's good, the middle part is dull and cringy, but the ending makes up for it. One thing I'll appreciate is the growth of Kenai, the main character. Starting off as arrogant and selfish, but when he meets Koda, he becomes more caring, and dare I say, brotherly. I also enjoy the visuals, the message of being grateful for what you have, and the soundtrack done by Phil Collins who's better known for composing a soundtrack for a more well-known Disney film. intends wink, wink. However, the movie falls flat on cringy jokes and predictable moments. Next, we have the first ever CGI Disney movie, that being Dinosaur. Probably the most forgettable Disney movie out there. A dinosaur who was raised by monkeys joins a dinosaur herd on the path to seek shelter from a meteor shower. It's the cliché fish out of water story combined with the myth of how a meteor caused all the dinosaurs to go extinct. Only it's very cringy. They could've made this movie more serious, but instead they went with a very predictable story and monkeys who think they're love doctors. I wish I was making that shit up. However, I still enjoy the fight scenes and soundtrack. And yeah, the CGI has definitely aged, but as Disney's first attempt at going the CGI route, it could have been a lot worse. Dinosaur, at best, is an okay movie. Yeah, I saw myself watching it a lot as a kid, so I guess it doesn't hurt to put it as an honorable mention. Last but not least, Chicken Little. Did you really think I wouldn't mention this underrated gem? Say what you want about Chicken Little being a shitty movie, but I personally love it. In fact, I did an episode back in Season 2 where I talked about this movie with Matt. Shout out to Matt. Love you, buddy. Anyway, go listen to it if You Want to Hear Me Praise This Movie A Lot More. <laughs> okay, that's all my honorable mentions. Let's move on to the list. Number 10, The Emperor's New Groove. Boom, baby, we're starting the list just right. A selfish emperor gets turned into a llama and eats help from a local peasant to reclaim his throne. On paper, the story doesn't sound interesting. In fact, the story feels like a joke in this movie because it relied too much on comedy, which is why many people dislike this movie. For me though, I love it. This has to be one of, if not the funniest fucking Disney movie I've ever seen, right down from the characters, the dialogue, and the many, many fourth wall breaks. Seriously, every time Cusco interrupts the movie, I fucking die. Speaking of which, I love how we get to see Cusco evolve from this egotistical prick to a more genuine human being. In hindsight, that does make the movie feel very predictable, but it works, mostly thanks to a relationship he has with Pacha, who is the only one to see any goodness out of him, Hands down, the best characters are the villains, Yizma and Krunk. These two carry the whole movie, if I'm being honest, because of their opposite personalities. We have Yizma, who's so hell-bent on trying to overthrow Kuzco that she's willing to manipulate slash harm anyone to get what she wants, and Krunk, who does whatever he can to please Yizma but gets no respect. Krunk also isn't afraid to show his moralities because he's constantly conflicted by his shoulder angel and devil. I could talk about Krunk all day, but I think I made my point. And the song Perfect World really captures the lives Kuzco once had, then eventually obtains and the message about the world doesn't center around you is pretty spot on. If only politicians in real life can understand that. (laughs) Overall, Emperor's New Groove may not be a perfect film to come out during that time, but still an extremely funny movie. Number 9. Lilo and Stitch Yeah, I probably just pissed off a lot of people because of how popular this movie is. Whatever, it won't be the first time I've done something like this. (laughs) A lonely Hawaiian girl befriends an alien who she believes is a dog, only for trouble from both sides to tamper their bond. If there's one thing I love about this movie, it's the characters because they're all iconic in their own ways. We have Lilo, the lonely girl who seeks friendship. Stitch, who becomes more caring and less wild. Nani, Lilo's older sister who struggles to prove that she's capable of being Lilo's guardian. Even the chemistry between Jumba and Pleakley is worth acknowledging. With Jumba trying to recapture Stitch, while Pleakley is easily amused with what Earth has to offer. And I can't forget about the galactic tyrant Gantu and Cobra Bubbles, who's probably the most intimidating social worker you'll ever see. I mostly enjoyed the struggles Nani and Lilo face in regards of their parents dying. It's one of those moments in movies you can't help but feel touched by. However, I feel like all the sci-fi and alien shit overshadows those parts a bit. Almost like in Hunchback where you try to force in comedy. But at times, they blend well. Especially towards the end where Stitch tries to save Lilo from Gantu. In terms of music, let's be honest. Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride is the best song. Yeah, the other songs are good too. But Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride is my shit, man. Oh yeah, the message is pretty self-explanatory. Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. Still, I enjoy watching Lilo and Stitch whenever I can. Number 8. A Goofy Movie. Name a bear movie that gained a cult following. I'll be waiting. Truth be told, I never watched Goof Troop growing up, mostly because I wasn't even born yet when the show was a thing. However, A Goofy Movie was one of those movies I've seen a few times on TV, and it gradually became one of my favorites. Goofy and his son Max embark on a cross-country fishing trip to have more father-son quality time, only for Max to foil their trip so he can impress the girl he likes. This led to them getting caught in all sorts of bizarre, and dare I say, Goofy situations. Right off the bat, this feels more like a plot from a TV show episode than a film. I mean, the movie was adapted from Goof Troop, so it's no wonder, but it's not that bad. What saves this movie for me is the bond between Max and Goofy. Even though it follows the cliche of teenagers feeling embarrassed by their parents, it works for a movie like this. As Goofy desperately tries to connect more with his son, only for Max to want nothing to do with him, eventually the two patch things up, which correlates to the movie's message. No matter what happens, your parents, or parent in this case, will always be there for you, Especially towards the end where Goofy helps Max get to the Powerline concert so he can impress Roxanne. Speaking of which, I can't help but admire moments between Max and Roxanne. They're both so awkward and shy that's adorable. Seriously, why didn't she appear in the sequel? And I can't forget about Pete, who thinks he's father of the year, but in reality, he's an asshole to his son PJ. Even the soundtrack is great to listen to every now and then. Stands out, on the open world, eye to eye, you name all that shit. I guess the only negative I can think of would be the principal, for how much of a dick he is. I know that was the point, but still. And come on, science slumber parties! A goofy movie looks up to his name as a goofy movie, and truly is an underrated gem. Number 7, Hercules. Ah yes, the one Disney movie that Nomura keeps bringing back for the Kingdom Hearts games like there's no end to it. <laughs> Hercules, a young demigod, must prove himself to be a true hero so he could reunite with his father Zeus and the rest of the gods. If you're familiar with Greek mythology, then names like Hercules, Zeus, and Hades should easily come to mind. However, I didn't learn about Greek mythology until my middle school days, and was flabbergasted to see how dark these tales were. I was like, holy shit, this is nothing like in the movie. In a way, it kinda has the same problems with Pocahontas, where it feels historically inaccurate, or mythologically inaccurate. Is that even a phrase? Fuck it, I'm keeping that line in. (laughs) Especially when we look at the characters like Zeus and Hera, who are portrayed as loving and supportive parents, but they're nothing like in the stories. However, the movie turned out to be a lot of fun to watch, regardless of how much Disney censored it. I really enjoyed the struggles Hercules had to endure throughout the movie, such as the beginning where his overwhelming strength makes him an outcast, and later on where he becomes famous, he still didn't meet the hero requirements, definitely relates to those who have trouble finding their place in life. Other characters like Phil and Pegasus were fun to watch as well, especially Phil with his short temper, and Megara, or Meg as her quote-unquote, friends call her, had an interesting arc where she gradually opens up to Hercules. But let's be honest, the best character in this movie, hands down, is Hades. Oh my god, I fucking love Hades. He has the perfect blend of being witty, manipulative, and ill-tempered all at the same time, thanks to the excellent voice work done by James Woods. This movie also has some cool fight scenes, like Hercules taking on the Hydra, or helping his father and the rest of the gods fight off the Titans, and really catchy songs like Go the Distance, Hero to Zero, and I Won't Say I'm in Love. The movie also does a good job of conveying the message that strength doesn't make you a hero, but rather how much heart you have. I mean, they keep reminding us that in Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) Overall, Hercules is a great movie despite how much it deviates from source material. Number 6, The Little Mermaid. As a kid, I remember trying to avoid watching this movie at all costs, simply because it's about mermaids, which are care more towards girls. Basically, if you are a boy that watched anything with mermaids in it, your peers would tease the living shit out of you. Until I learned not to get bothered by shit like that. And yeah, The Little Mermaid is honestly a great movie. A young mermaid named Ariel falls in love with a human prince and becomes a human herself thanks to an evil sea witch, but at the cost of her voice. I feel like Ariel is a character we can all relate to in a way, yeah, she loves to disobey her father or anyone who has authority over her, but then again, that's how most curious teens act. This movie is chock-full of beloved characters, from the calm and charming Prince Eric, yes, I'm secretly a Disney prince, <laughs> the easily timid Flounder, the anxious Sebastian, the overprotective King Triton, and of course, the devious Ursula, who honestly makes the movie for me. That and Sebastian constantly getting frantic, especially during scenes where he accidentally told King Triton about Ariel's human world obsession, or trying to avoid getting cooked by Chef Louie. Definitely the funniest part of the movie along with the wedding crash. I also really enjoyed the bond between Ariel and Eric. Even though she was mute for half of the movie, the movie does a good job of using actions to build a relationship. And you can't deny how epic it was to see Eric impale giant Ursula with a broken ship. The songs were pretty good to listen to as well, such as Part of Your World, Under the Sea, and even Kiss the Girl. Fun fact, Part of Your World was meant to be cut from the movie, but the writers decided to keep it with hopes of making the movie more impactful. Good call you guys as well as providing the message of encouraging independence so we can grow as people, though you can't argue that with Ariel's disobedience. I guess my only other complaint would be not explaining the reason behind Ursula's exile. Yeah, she mentioned that she used to live in Trine's palace, but never specified why she was exiled. Other than that, The Little Mermaid is still a great movie. Also, rest in peace Samuel E. Wright. You were the best crustacean under the sea, and also the best snitch under the sea. (laughs) Number 5, Tarzan. Starting off the top 5, we have a very underrated film, that being Tarzan. A young human named Tarzan is raised in a jungle by gorillas after his parents were killed, but when other humans soon appear in the jungle, Tarzan begins to question where he belongs. In hindsight, this movie does give off a lot of Jungle Book vibes, but they're actually different in many ways, especially when you look at the characters. Unlike Mowgli, who was a whiny little shit that was easily accepted in the jungle, Tarzan had proved himself worthy of being part of the gorilla pact, mostly to his adoptive father, Kerchak. Tarzan's relationships between all these characters and what makes this movie even better. We have Kala, who does her best to raise Tarzan, Turk and Tantor who try to support him against a lot, at the same time offer a lot of comedic gold, mostly Tantor, and of course Jane, who taught Tarzan about the human life before eventually falling for him. In a way, this movie tells us two different stories that almost feels like they should be their own movies. The first half focuses on Tarzan trying to be accepted by the gorilla pack, and does so by killing off Sabor, a vicious leopard who in the beginning killed Tarzan's parents along with Colin Kerchak's son. The fight between Tarzan and Sabor is still impressive. Meanwhile, the other half centers on Tarzan wanting to learn more about human culture, while also protecting the other gorillas. I know, it's stranger how quickly the movie changes direction, but it works. Clayton feels like a very underrated villain in my opinion. I mean, you can already tell he was up to something because of how impatient he acted. It wasn't until the climax where we see him go full-on villain mode, which I appreciate. The final battle between him and Tarzan was a lot more grim than I remembered, because he gets fucking hanged by jungle vines! They even showed the shadow of his body just to fucking prove it. Wow, Disney. Anyway, another strong point from this movie is about the message of acceptance. Even though Tarzan was constantly put down for his appearance, deep down, he knew he had what it takes to be both a man and ape, which made everyone respect him a lot more. The movie also has a pretty damn good soundtrack, performed by the one and only Phil Collins. Two worlds, son of man, strangers like me, all still hold up in my opinion. It's a shame that Disney lost the rise to Tarzan sometime after this movie came out. I guess Disney can't buy everything. <laughs> so, I love watching Tarzan whenever I can. Number 4, Aladdin. Make way for Prince Ali. Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> a young homeless boy, or street rat named Aladdin, falls in love with the Princess of Agrabah, but because they come from different social classes, he awakens a powerful genie to make him a prince so he can be with her. Aladdin is one of those movies that instantly comes to mind when you think about Renaissance Disney, because of how charming the story and each character is. We of course have the main character, Aladdin, who yearns to be more than a common street rat. Jafar, whose sinister and cunning demeanor makes him very popular among the Disney villains, the magic carpet who explodes with personality despite not having any dialogue. But let's be real, Genie and Yago are the two characters that make this whole movie. How can anyone not be a fan of Genie with his zany and comedic personality all done by the one and only Robin Williams, rest in peace, and Yago's constant constantly complaining about situations he and Javar get involved in. This movie helped me get introduced to Gilbert Goffrey and his comedic ways, so that's another reason why I love this movie. In a way, this movie acts very similar to A Little Mermaid, where the two main characters fall in love with someone who comes from an entirely different world and they get help from a magical source to get what they want. In this movie, Jasmine was tired of being a princess and wants to marry someone out of love, regardless of what class they're from, which made her relationship with Aladdin all the more invigorating. This in turn strengthens the movie's message of being yourself. Aladdin tried using the genie's magic to be someone he's not, and eventually learns to be himself to make Jasmine happy. Aladdin also has a lot of great songs as well. From One Jump Ahead, Friend Like Me, and the best of them all, A Whole New World. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Aladdin was one of the first Disney movies to incorporate CGI in a film that's primarily 2D, most notably the Cave of Wonders and the final battle between Jafar. Though I wish Genie Jafar could've been utilized more. At least Kingdom Hearts had the right idea. Nonetheless, Aladdin is still an amazing film. Number 3. Mulan. We're now in the top 3, starting off with Mulan. When China gets invaded by a deadly army, a young girl named Mulan takes her father's place in the army by disguising herself as a man, even though it goes against social guidelines. As you can probably tell, this movie is chock full of feminism as Mulan was constantly put down throughout the movie simply because she was female. However, this made the movie all the more better as Mulan kept proving that she had what it takes to be a soldier. And quite frankly, a better soldier than any man could be. Which relates to the movie's theme of embracing yourself to the world instead of how society views you. And Milan was able to achieve that thanks to the many characters she comes across. From the wise cracking Mushu, the stern yet respectable Captain Li Shang, the comedic trio of Yao, Ling, and Shampoo, and the deadly Shan Yu, who's another one of those underrated Disney villains out there. This movie provides a lot of action scenes which later became a staple for future Disney films, to an extent. From Mulan's training at the army camp, to fighting off the Huns on top of the summit, and of course, the final battle between Mulan and Shan Yu, showing that Shan Yu won't hesitate to kill anyone in his path, regardless of what gender you are. My only issue is that I feel like we don't see him enough outside of the climax, and yet Mushu can be annoying at times which is ironic because I usually enjoy the comic relief in these films. But for Mushu, it could be a hit or miss for him. At least the soundtrack makes up for it. Providing very catchy songs like Honor to Us All, To Be a Man, and as an unpopular opinion, The Best Song. A girl worth fighting for. (laughs) Overall, Mulan is an excellent movie. And don't ever bring up its shameful live-action remake. That shit doesn't exist to me. Number 2. Beauty and the Beast. The runner-up for my favorite renaissance Disney movie is Beauty and the Beast. A young woman named Belle is held hostage at a castle ruled by a ferocious beast, but as time goes on, they learn to respect each other. Much like the case with Snow White and Pinocchio, Beauty and the Beast is where I feel like Renaissance Disney truly began its mark, despite it being the third film released during that era, both in terms of animation and story. I love how this film constantly switches tones from being dark and gloomy at Beast's castle to the bright and colorful world that is Belle's hometown, but the story is where the movie mostly excels at, with its many beloved characters and themes. We have Belle, who feels like an outcast for being more sophisticated than the other villagers, with the only support she has is her goofy yet caring father, Maurice. She learns that her true place is with the Beast, who went through a lot of development during the story, starting off as a selfish prince who couldn't control his temper, to a more kind and genuine prince, thanks to the bond he established with Belle and his servants. This includes, but not limited to, Lumiere the Candlestick? How fitting. Cogsworth the Clock? Again, how fitting. And Mrs. Potts the Teacup? Is there a limit to how many times I could say how fitting? (laughs) Let's be honest, the main villain Gaston helped make this movie a lot more enjoyable, as he wanted to stop at nothing to make Belle his wife. You can tell he takes great pride in being the handsome and shallow guy that he is, but all that beauty he has in the outside, can't hide the monster he truly is inside. Hell, Belle said that herself. This all relates to the movie's message that true beauty lies within. I know, that's the same message from Hunchback, but here, it feels a lot more invigorating. The beast may look like a hideous beast on the outside, but inside, he cares deeply for Belle and those around him as shown when he saved Belle from a pack of wolves, then later released her so he can be with her father. And even during the climax where he showed mercy towards Gaston, which of course led to his downfall and later revival as Prince Adam. That scene still gives me chills. As well as having amazing songs, like Belle, Gaston, and of course, Beauty and the Beast. Fun fact, Beauty and the Beast was also the first ever animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. That alone makes it top 3 material by default. Beauty and the Beast may be the best in terms of quality, but there's still one movie that tops it. Number 1, The Lion King. My favorite renaissance Disney movie is without a doubt, The Lion King. I'm sorry for being so generic, but I can't help myself. I fucking love The Lion King with a passion. And if you're a hardcore Disney fan, you know exactly how I feel. Everyone knows the story about The Lion King. And if you don't, then what the fuck is wrong with you? Stop listening to this podcast and go watch the movie now! I'll see you guys in an hour and 29 minutes. Okay, I won't actually see you guys, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Welcome back. Did you enjoy the movie? Good, because now everyone knows the story. Simba, a lion who's destined to be king, runs away after witnessing his father's tragic death. But when his past comes back to haunt him, Simba must reclaim his rightful place as king from his evil Uncle Scar. If you're someone who loves plays or literature, then this story should sound familiar, as it heavily borrows assets from William Shakespeare's Hamlet, minus the whole fatalities at the end. (laughs) Every character in this movie is very memorable one way or another. Starting with Simba, who starts off as a rebellious cub to later a fierce and responsible lion. Nala, his childhood friend and later spouse, who acts very supportive towards Simba. Mufasa, the wise and elegant king who tries to teach his son the ways of life, or in this case, the circle of life, and also voiced by the legendary James Earl Jones. Zazu, the loyal yet frantic servant. Rafiki, the wise elder who could be very eccentric at times. Timon and Pumbaa, the comic relief who raised Simba. Their chemistry is what makes this movie a lot better. From Timon's wisecracking and self-centered demeanor, mixed with Pumbaa's goofy yet caring personality, as well as the villain Scar, and his army of hyenas. Scar is hands down one of the best Disney villains out there because of how manipulative and cunning he is. I love each and every one of these characters. And on top of that, this movie is gorgeous, right down from the scenery and action moments. From the progressions of the Pride Lands, Mufasa's tragic death which traumatized a lot of kids growing up, and the final showdown at Pride Rock, especially Simba vs. Scar, which is hands down the best fight scene in any Disney movie, no matter how many times I watch scenes like those, I still get chills because of how impactful they are and the music. Oh god, the music is fantastic. I can listen to a Lion King song's all day if I really wanted to. You name it. Circle of Life, I just can't wait to be king, be prepared, akuna matata, can you feel the love tonight, etc. Some of the best Disney songs of all time. Fuck off Frozen and your let it go shit. <laughs> this movie also has one of the best messages Disney has ever evoked, and that is the message of moving on. We've all witnessed something or done something wrong that we wish we could take back. But instead of running away and forgetting your problems, you have to accept it and move on, which is something everyone can learn from. And to think, Disney initially thought Pocahontas was going to be their magna opus. This is the one Disney movie I can watch all the time and not get tired of. It's the movie that made me the Disney fan I am today, and it deserves all the praise it's given. I don't know what else to say. The Lion King was and continues to be my favorite Disney film, not just for the Renaissance age, but in general. Sorry for being so generic, but I can't help myself. These were the Disney movies I watched religiously growing up, and even today they still give me the same satisfaction when I watched them as a kid. Which begs the question, Why be going over modern Disney next? Honestly, I don't know. When you really think about it, there's not that many Disney movies to go over. On top of that, there's more to come, so I'll hold off on that for the time being. Anyway, if you haven't seen any of these movies I mentioned, I highly recommend checking them all out. This was Disney at its prime in my opinion. Let us know in the Discord server how would you rank these movies, and follow our Instagram page, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all available platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening, and stay true to your geek selves.